Turn with me to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. And as you do so, just to echo the, the announcement or the plea that the elder made is in terms of uh, restricting visitations to the hospital, we understand the difficulty. This is well, what we are asking of you. It's equally difficult for the elders. We could not think of any other way or what sort of wisdom we needed to use in order to persuade you or to plead with you. Part of it is, it's, as you not, noted from the email that was sent in the course of the week, it's also a request from the family. And we, we do understand and we appreciate your love and concern for Mwansan, Sonilia, and the Mbewes, but our plea is that, as the elder said, we request that you restrict visitation to the hospital. If possible, you don't visit until when there is communication that you are allowed to freely visit the hospitals. I know probably if you are new at KBC, it sounds very strange, but it's something that the elders have done before in the past where they, make, they request the members to restrict visitations. Uh, to the hospitals to see their fellow members. Uh, we did that with the late Dr. Simon Impuka. He was one of our elders when he was critically ill. Again, there was an appeal from the family, but then also the elders made that appeal. We did the same with uh, our late elder Mwambachibuta, and we've done for so many others. So if it feels very strange, we understand, but that's really our plea. But what we request is Let's earnestly, earnestly seek the Lord's face on behalf of our dear brother. And if you need any information, it will be communicated to the members through the usual channels. But if you feel you need to, to find out, please, we can, we can call our brother Cheswa, Henry Chibutu, or our dear brother Elder Venon Kapoma of Silverest uh, Baptist Church. I should be able to give an update of what they are getting from what the elders, are, uh, rather the doctors are telling them, but also what the families are agreeing us to share, or rather the information that can go out. But also what this does is that it helps uh, to not to have many narrations of what is happening, especially on social media. Somehow, we all want to be first. We understand. It's... It's done out of love and concern. But please, let's always wait for the proper communication channels or what these three individuals have mentioned have given. And I hope that even as we call them, it's for the sole purpose of encouraging one another to pray for our dear brother. So what you're feeling, the elders are also feeling. It even feels strange and awkward to be asking you, to do that, but we plead, and you are a listening church, and we trust that you will listen. We turn our Bibles to Mark chapter 4. We'll read verse 35 through to 41. And this is just to remind ourselves that even in this moment, we still have peace perfect peace in the storms of life. Mark chapter 4, verse 35. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern asleep on the cushion. And they, they woke him up and they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he woke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. 
He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Amen. One of the doctrines that receives a lot of questions concerning our God is God's sovereignty. Sometimes we think we've understood this doctrine or sometimes we limit it to our own thinking or imagination concerning what we mean when we say that God is in control of all things. And tied to the sovereignty of God is the providence of God. How that the, pro the providence of God is God's constant and ordinary work whereby he preserves and governs his creation to the design end of his glory. The providence of God is his constant and ordinary work of God, whereby he preserves and governs his creation to the, design, the designed end of his glory. And included in that design is the ultimate good of God's people. And every passing and progressing moment from the beginning of creation to the end of creation, to the end of the age, all things are planned and are being implemented by the wise and all-powerful God. And God himself has said, all things work for the good of those that love him. Now, now this is a truth that oftentimes is denied. Or this is a truth that is oftentimes receives a lot of questions. And sometimes in questioning this doctrine, we deny the doctrine. But also there are questions surrounding the providence of God, the sovereignty of God. And we ask such questions that if God has planned all things, And everything is working according to his wise counsel. Why does he allow bad things to happen? Why does he allow evil to still exist? Why allow sicknesses, war, conflicts, why allow all these vices that sweep ac across the globe? While we may not have answers that will satisfy our uh, curious minds or that will satisfy our minds, one thing we cannot deny as we read the scriptures is that the, the truth of God's sovereignty is unaffected by man's ignorance or denial. Not only are the affairs of life in God's hands, but his purposes are secure and undistorted. Many questions will arise in many situations, and for some of us, some of the questions are, are maybe concerning the illness of Mwansambewe. For some, he was with them in the week. Even led a Bible study uh, at the Chilenjom group on Thursday. And those questions linger in our minds. 
And we may not claim to have all the answers. In fact, we don't claim to have all the answers. But one thing we can stand on and take all of us and take our minds to it is that God is sovereign and the scriptures demonstrate that. That the providence of God is for God's ultimate purposes, for his glory and for our good. But also for those of us who are Christians, we know that in the storms of life, our God gives us peace, perfect peace. That means when we don't understand, we can't answer, there is peace, perfect peace. And the passage that we've read finds the disciples in a storm. And the events of the day began in Mark chapter 3, verse 20 there. When the Lord Jesus Christ had a conversation with the Pharisees. And as he had the conversations with the Pharisees, his friends and families thought he had gone crazy. And they tried to, to kidnap him and to whisk him away from the crowd. And then on Mark records for us there that the Lord Jesus Christ began to teach in parables. And he taught them different parables. And now, when he dealt with the parable of the mustard seed, Mark records for us that on that day when evening had come, he said to them, let us go to the other side of the shore of the Sea of Galilee. And as he did that, something happened. A storm from nowhere arose. And the events of that evening were going to change the lives of the disciples, the perspective they had of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because on that night, they saw something of the Lord Jesus Christ that probably they had never seen. And as they found themselves fighting for their lives and woke up their master, and their master calmed the sea, he revealed to them, to them that he is the God who is in charge of all things, that even the elements of creation obey him. And they asked among themselves, what manner of man is this that even the sea obey his voice? This experience that the disciples had with Christ has much to teach us even today. Life is a journey. We make plans. We want to move from one point to the other. And on this journey, there are times that storms will arise and they will toss us to and from. All kinds of storms will arise. Like the disciples, those storms of life appear as if they are going to destroy us. Those storms of life threaten our very existence. But it's also in those storms of life that we learn that God is in absolute control of all things. That when we look that, at the storms of life and realize that we have no control, we can only cry to the God who's in charge of all things. God gives us peace, perfect peace. Those that know God, as the scripture tells us, is the God of peace. But they've also come to know his beloved son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who the scriptures tell us is the prince of peace. 
So God comes in the storm and grants us peace. He may not, as it were, alter the course of our lives as we love it to be. But in that moment, he grants us peace. His peace is the cure for troubled hearts. That even in this moment, whatever it is that you're going through, the peace of God given to us in Christ Jesus is the cure of troubled hearts. That even as the waves are toasting, peace, perfect peace, is still ours in Christ Jesus. Let's quickly open up this passage and just draw a few lessons for us this, this morning. The first thing we see from this experience is that life on earth is full of unexpected storms that disturb our peace. Life on earth is full of unexpected storms that disturb our peace. And this is what we see from verse 35 to 37. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across on the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. Verse 35 records for us a command from the Lord Jesus Christ. Let us go on to the other side. And to this command, the disciples obediently responded to. And they took him along with them in the boat. So these men did not start their journey into the storm. And nothing seemed to indicate that they were expecting that there will be a storm. But suddenly, from nowhere, there's a, there's a change. There's a sudden change. We, the scriptures record for us that there was this windstorm that arose. And notice the suddenness and the seriousness of this storm as Mark records for us. It was unexpected. It arose and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. It was serious. It was sudden. Now, these are men that were used to be at sea. These were fishermen. Perhaps they, they, they had found themselves caught in a, in a windstorm. And so, here Mark is recording for us to show the suddenness and the seriousness of this windstorm that they found themselves in. Their boat was already feeling. The waves were breaking into the boat. And obviously, perhaps the water was beginning to accumulate in their boats. But don't forget, these are men that understood the sea. They knew something of life on the sea. They were fishermen at heart. They understood many moods of the sea. But here they were frightened by this wind storm. Perhaps we can infer and conclude that maybe this was different. It wasn't something that they had experienced. But whatever the case, it was sudden, it was serious, and it was, they felt like their boat was breaking. It's a picture of life on earth. 
Life on earth is full of unexpected storms, unforeseen circumstances. Yes, while we plan our day-to-day lives, but there will be the unforeseen circumstances, unexpected that storms that just arise suddenly, violently, and without warning. And when the storms of life comes, they are severe. They cause anguish and pain. They disarray our plans, our outlook to life. They cause us not to be sure about what tomorrow holds, what the week is going to look like. And things can be okay in one moment, and then the next moment things have changed. And you begin to feel as the disciples felt, like we are dying. And you feel in that moment like God does not care. You feel like God wants you to drown in the storms of your life. One phone call can bring about the storms of life. One visit to the hospital. One report. One day can bring about unexpected storms of life. We all go through storms of life. Storms of suffering. Storms of heartbreaks. Storms of sickness. They come and devastate our lives. Storms of sorrow. That's life on earth. Some of these storms will come from loved ones, from our friends, from unexpected sources. Some of these storms will be as a result of our own sinfulnesses. But the bottom line, this is life on earth. Job tells us in Job 14, verse 1, Man born of a woman is of few days, but those few days are full of trouble. I don't know where you are this morning. Maybe you are going through some storm. Or maybe you are about to go through a storm of life. Or maybe you are coming out of a storm. This is true of all of us. Life on earth is full of unexpected storms. And these storms disturb our peace. But the second thing we see from the passage is that the, un, the un, unexpected storms of life unveil our true personality and our standing before God. The un, unexpected storms of life reveal our true personality and our standing before God in most cases. Verse 38. But he was in the stand asleep on the cushion, and they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Verse 
when the storm of life comes, what you truly are inside will be revealed. Your true identity, your true personality will be revealed. Because these unexpected storms of life, when they come, they cause us pain, they cause us anguish, they cause us to ask a lot of questions. They disarray our life. But it reveals our true personality. It reveals our true view of God. What we think of God, what we think of life, what we think of the scriptures in general. The greatest storm that night was not on the Sea of Galilee, but in the hearts of the disciples. The storm on the sea steered a storm of doubt within them. The Lord Jesus Christ had commanded them that let's go on the other side. And they responded to that command. But when the storm came, the disciples were in doubt. They really doubted whether the command that he said, let's get to the other side of the sea, was going to take place, was going to happen. He had already told them that this were going on the other side. He told them at the start of the journey. They doubted his words. They doubted whether they would make it through the storm. They doubted his goodness. They doubted his ability, his power to be with them to the end of their journey. They thought for a moment that they're going to perish. And the scriptures record that their master was sleeping while they were wrestling with the storm. As the waves were toasting them and pushing them, their master was sleeping. And they doubted whether they would make it. But what really was revealed in that moment is what, what was true about them, about their view of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the man they had seen heal the sick, cast out demons, perform miracles, raise the dead. They had witnessed these things. This is the man, by the power of his voice, caught them from their sins and said, come and follow me. And they had seen, they had witnessed, they had been with him, they had heard what he had said about himself. And there were moments, like when the Lord Jesus Christ was being baptized and the voice from heaven was heard, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. They witnessed. And in that moment, they should have realized that the storm on the Sea of Galilee could not thwart sovereign omnipotence. When the storms of life come, they reveal our true personality. They reveal our stance in as far as under our understanding of the scriptures. They reveal whether we truly trust God. When we say God is sovereign, do we really mean that? 
Or do we mean God is sovereign as long as I can have the affairs of my life in my hands? When we think of the providence of God, it is one thing to cherish these things, to talk about these things, to delight in these things, when all seems calm. It's another to wrestle with these things when the ways of life are tossing, when the storms of life are all over you. It is one thing to come before God and plead with God that He is sovereign and He does as He pleases. the storms of life the scriptures encourages us to trust God we may not understand what he's doing but we are exalted to trust him he's too wise to make a mistake he's too loving to be unkind he knows that whatever it is for his children, it's for their good. While we scream and cry, while we may not understand, we may not even ag agree with what God is doing, but he's too wise to make a mistake. In that moment, he calls us to bring our cares before him. That when the true personality is revealed, that what will be revealed is like that of Job, that while we may not stand our situation, but we can say, I know my Redeemer lives. While we wrestle with the why questions of life, we can say, Lord, give me grace to pull through. It's, it's painful, it's hard. It's causing anxieties. But Lord, you are in control of all things. Give me grace. Give me peace. Psalm 119, verse 165, 165 says this, Psalm 119, verse 165. Great peace have those who, ha who love your law, and nothing causes them to stumble. Great peace have those who love your law, and nothing causes them to stumble. The law of God, God's word, which is his word to us. We must love his law. And stay upon his law. And his law gives us great peace, even when we can't make sense of what is happening. Fanny J. Crosby writes, and I quote, O troubled heart, be thou not afraid. In the Lord thy God, let thy hope be stayed. He will hear thy cry and will give thee aid, whatever thy cross may be. The storms of life reveals our true personality. And for us as Christians, we can go to God, cry out to God, and submit to His sovereign will. But for non-Christians, when the storms of life comes, where is that anchor of your soul? Where do you run to? That if Christians will go through storms of life, what about you? 
You will go through storms of life. Where is your anchor? And this is why for, for non-Christians, they resort to end their lives. They have no peace, no hope. They resort to all kinds of means. Chasing after which doctors to say something about their situations. That have been in those moments because they've been told to do something about this witch doctor who claims that he can alter their course of life. Even when he tells them to go into the, into the graveyard at midnight, even those who are cowards are willing to be brave because they feel that that will alter their storms of life. It reveals your true personality, the real you. When God now dismantles all your safety nets, removes all those things in which you find comfort, in which you find security, and when God dismantles them all and he leaves you bare, your true personality is revealed. And that's why you go chasing after anything that seems to be promising relief to your situation. The real you will come out one day when the storms of life come gnashing and rushing at you. That's life on earth. Those who are religious just gives up on God altogether. If this God is a loving God, why would you allow these things to happen? No. The storms reveal the true you. Religious activities may cover you for a while. The things that you've accumulated may cover you for a while. But when the storms of life come, the real you will come out. And in the third place, and quickly we see that the storms of life, the unexpected storms of life, they teach us that God is in control. The storms of life, these unexpected storms of life, they teach us that God is in control. And this is what you see when you read from verse 9 all the way to verse 41. And he woke up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there, was, and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? This is what we learn. God is in control. And for those of us who are Christians, when we come to this realization, we bow on our knees to worship this great God. We say we may not understand. We don't know what we are going through. We don't know how long this storm is. But this is what you are teaching us. You are in control. For non-Christians, this leads them to further rebellion. Thinking that if this is, this is who this God is, and I'm not going to love him. I can't worship such a God. You want a God of your own imagination, a God whom you must tell how to conduct the affairs of your life. A God who's at your mercy, at your control. But that's not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible says, I do as I please for my glory and for the good of my children. And when we come to that realization, we bow in worship to this great God. And the Lord Jesus Christ calmed the sea. He is God. He is the Prince of Peace. He is the Almighty God. He possesses the Almighty Power. 
And we see what it does in these verses, something that from the human point of view is impossible. But he calmed the sea. He speaks to the winds and they obey him. He speaks to the waves and they submit to his commands. He turns the raging storm into calm with few words, peace, be stills. The waves were able to recognize the voice of him that created them. He who said in the beginning when nothing was there, I said, let there be. They were able to recognize his voice when he says, no more. And they obey the voice of their creator. The same God who says, this is how far you can go in toasting this boat. No more. And they were calm. The elements knew the voice of its master. And the servant questioned, who is this that even the wind obey his voice? The voice, rather the storm that terrified the disciples was nothing to its creator. The very waves that threatened to break the boat was nothing to its creator. And we see the Lord Jesus Christ saying, peace be still. They were still at sea, don't forget. They were still asking themselves, what if another wave comes? Perhaps those questions lingered in their mind. But the voice of the Lord Jesus Christ, peace be still, must have been ringing in their mind throughout that journey to the other side of the sea. And they knew that as long as Christ is with them in the boat, as that glorious Sunday school song would say, they could smile at the storm. It's not because they had learned to navigate the storm. No, they knew the master, the creator, was in the boat with them. And this is the peace that this God gives us in Christ. Our peace is a Trinitarian peace. It's a peace that comes from Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God is a God of peace. The Lord Jesus Christ is the Prince of Peace. The Holy Spirit is the Comforter. That's the peace, perfect peace we have in the storms of life. That our God is there with us. He's taking us through the storms of life and he's saying, don't worry. Yes, you cannot understand. Even if I explained to you, you will not understand. But peace be still. I'm with you. I will take you through. Even if it means I call you home to come to your rewards. I know what I'm doing and it is for your good and for my glory. As a, and John Bunyan says, and I quote, in times of affliction, we commonly meet with the sweetest experience of the love of God. In times of affliction, we commonly meet with the sweetest ex experiences of the love of God. Read the life of John Bunyan. And then this quotation, thrown in prison many times because of preaching the gospel. And he still says, God was with them and there was this sweet experience.
And we must be grateful to God that the affairs of our lives are not left in our finite hands. It should be a reason for measureless gratitude that our lives are not in our own poor, feeble hands, but that they are in the hands of the infinitely wise but loving Father. He may design a raging storm for you, but he will be with you. And he's saying, peace, be still. He may protect you in the storms, or he may call you out of the storms to his everlasting kingdom. But he will be with you. He will grant you peace. He will not leave you nor forsake you. He will not abandon you to yourself. If he loved Israel, we whom he, the nation which he, he, he called out of Egypt, how much more you whom is called out of your sins into his son, Jesus Christ? Why do you think he'll abandon you? Peace be still. He is God. The same God who saved you from your sins. The same God who's guided you. And the same God who's been with you up to this point. He is God. He will neither leave you nor forsake you, child of God. You may not understand your situation. God is in control. Even when questions arise, as you ask yourself about our brother Mwansa or any other situations, these questions will arise. But one thing is certain. God is with us. And he's saying, peace, be still. We all wish we could hear and say tomorrow our brother will be out and will sit with us and worship with us. We all wish we could hear something of that and see, we want to see him walk, attending to the cameras, the projectors, attending to the youths and being around people. That's what we want. But God is saying, peace, be still. God knows what he's doing. Whatever also you are going through this morning, our God is there. And my prayer is that as a child of God, you will cultivate a habit of communion with God. And as you commune with God, this will produce that inward peace that peace which is superior to your trials and your storms of life. But the greatest storm that one can be in is a storm of sin. Sin is the greatest storm that one can find himself in. Sin sweeps our hearts, the hearts of men, disturbs everything like a cyclone. It comes and disarrays everything into one's life. It breaks the heart, breaks one's family, one's home, one's relationship with others. Sin is the greatest storm that brings devastations and eventually brings damage to the soul. But even that storm of sin can be repaired by the Lord Jesus Christ. He died for sin 
that in him you may find righteousness. Don't be so consumed, dear friend. It's what if you're a non-Christian with the storms that you're going through that you miss that the greatest storm in your life is a storm of sin. And sin keeps dragging you, pulling you away from God and destroying your life. That's the greatest sin you need, the greatest storm you need to deal with today. Come to Christ today. He will forgive you of your sins and he will give you a peace that surpasses understanding and that you too can sing with the rest of God's people when they sing, we have an anchor that keeps the soul safe, fast, and sure while the billows rose and it's fastened to the rock which cannot move. It's grounded deep and firm in the Savior's love. And we ask you, will your anchor hold in the storms of life? Will your anchor hold in the storms of life? If you don't have an anchor, Jesus Christ is pleading. He's calling you to come to him in faith and in repentance. And those of us who are Christians, as we sing that song, it's reminding us of the anchor that we have in Christ Jesus. We have hope. We have peace. And our God is still with us. He will neither leave us nor forsake us. Let the world see the genuineness of our faith in Christ Jesus in the storms of life that ours is not religion but true faith in Christ. Amen.